and take a seat, guys. Thank you, Queen. What can we thank the worship team? Beautiful. Wow. Obviously, they were going to invite me up, but they forgot to send the text to say, Wendy, you're on this morning. And uh, Ian's lost my number. Every time I ask, why have you got my number? He's known me for like 80 years or something. But he still happens to lose that number on a Sunday. I don't know what happened, Danny. Sort him out. It's got a something, yeah, memo. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, there we go. I think we might need a nap this afternoon. I think we're going to need a spiritual nap. I'm going to be wiped out by two o'clock. I'll be snoring on the sofa. This is good, though. This is good. So I love that. I love it when God has an agenda for us. He is so good because He goes ahead of us, isn't He? Everything that we have just felt this morning has been orchestrated by God. He's been moving. Even before you guys got here, we had this incredible prayer meeting this morning, and we were just contending for you. Believe in God for you. And we do that every single Sunday. And you're welcome to join us. It is awesome engine room, half past nine till ten. Um, and um, it's getting bigger and bigger. We're filling this hall. Uh, it's, it's great. And God just moves so powerful. And we believe that. We believe that when we cover this room in prayer and we're, we're lifting up his name in that half an hour, it's worth it. That half an hour, it is changing the dynamic of the meetings. It's changing what God's doing. So if you want to join us, get a cup of tea. Come along. I have a little snooze at the back. I don't mind. Do, do what you like. But, you know, if you can be here, I really, you will get a lot out of it, I promise you. Okay, so I'm ready to start. Guys, slide one, slide two, slide... Okay, because I'm a teacher, gone visual. Gone visual. I've got some words and pictures. It's quite exciting, isn't it? So c- covering all the different types of learners in the room. And uh, so there we go. Um, stickers and badges and sweets coming later for the best attendees. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, no detentions will be given out because I'm in a good mood. Okay, so, <laughs> so we are obviously in our month of breakthrough. And if you want to go to the next one, guys. And I, um, we've got one week left before we then enter into the awesome 10-day fast. And I want us to focus, um, I want to focus today just on this one scripture, on this one line. Um, and I think, you're, I'm hoping you're going to get loads out of this because it's really, really blessed me. But... When we're talking about breakthrough, and, and I've just absolutely um, enjoyed, I don't know if you have, but I've enjoyed the fact that we are praying for other people, not for ourselves. That has been liberating. I don't know about you. I have loved it. I have loved getting the attention off me and just praying for people every day. It's been so good. I know God's going to answer what I need on the back of that, but it's just been lovely not actually focusing on my needs. And, just, and I don't even necessarily know what people are going through but God has just been in those prayers. It's just been beautiful. And I've just loved it. We should keep it up. Why, why end it in January? What's that about? Let's crack on. Um, every single day, just lifting up in the car, wherever you're going, just lifting up the church. Honestly, it's been incredible. So I want to focus around this one scripture, or this one line, which says in John 8, Jesus said, If you abide in my word and you truly are my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I know that's familiar to us. You have to be careful with scripture when it's familiar because we just don't, we switch off. (laughs) But I just want to kind of come at it in a different angle because God's just been sharing some things with me around that. And that is that this line, the truth will set you free, I have always thought about it's almost like head knowledge. Like the more of the Bible that I know, the more free I'll be. And there's absolute truth in that. That's no 
because it renews our mind and it, you know, the, the word of God is powerful. So I'm not, not changing that. But what God has been saying to me, that line, the truth will set you free, is not about knowing something, it's about knowing someone. And what he's been saying to me, that line, the truth, is a person. It's Jesus. And I've never read it that way. I've read it as knowing the Bible or reading more. But as I'm going to prove to you in a minute, Jesus is not only described as the word, but he is continuously throughout the New Testament described as truth. So actually, if I change that line, if I want to be free, and God has been speaking to us about being free this morning, true freedom comes not just in reading the Bible, which is obviously awesome, but it's knowing a person, because if Jesus is truth and you are connected to him and you know him, then the outcome of that will be freedom. So I want us to go down the line of actually it's about knowing Jesus because he is truth. So if we go on to the next one, it can go back to John 1, right at the beginning. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So right back in this scripture, it tells us that Jesus was there at the very beginning. He pre-existed with the Father before anything was created. Jesus is the word. And he was there at the beginning, in this verse in John, which I haven't got up on the screen, but it goes on to say that he was involved in creation, and then he became the light of all mankind. So Jesus was there before anybody was created, anything was created. He existed with the Father, he was involved in creation, and he had then brought salvation to mankind. He has brought the light to all of mankind. And this is who we need to cling to, know intimately, and follow because if you do that, then you are connecting yourself to the one who was there before, during, and, that, and has now existed to, in order to bring people to salvation. He is truth. So in other words, if I, as, as John was proclaiming that Jesus was the word, it suggests that he is the beginning and the culmination of all that has been throughout eternity. To seek truth ultimately leads you to seek a person, and it's Jesus, because he is truth. He was there at the beginning, he was there before creation, and he was God's answer for mankind. He is truth. Let's go to John 1.14. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, here we go again, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of, he is the only truth. There isn't anything else, and he is the full embodiment of all that God is. It's wrapped up in Jesus. And so when you know Jesus, you know the Father. When you know Jesus, you are, you are connecting yourself to somebody who can only, only be the only one that can impact your life and change it, because he is, he is the source of truth. He is described in the word as truth. And if the truth sets you free, my suggestion is that the more you know Jesus, the more free you become. That's my, my way of wording, of, of, of announce, announcing, of working out this scripture, is that the more I know Jesus, the more free I become. Because it's truth that sets me free. A lie will keep me bound. Well, who's the author of lies? Satan. The one that warred against heaven. So you've got, we've got a choice every day what we believe. And when we walk away from Jesus or we're not close to Jesus or he's kind of like just over here somewhere, it's so easy for us to slip into darkness and to lies because we're not connected to truth. And as Dan was saying beautifully there, that not only is he truth, but he's light. 
And the only way to dispel darkness is to walk in truth and light. Every time um, the enemy tried to attack Jesus when he was fasting for those 40 days, Jesus responded with truth. You're telling me this, this is what the word says. This is truth and, G- and Satan left. And if Jesus is light, well, we know he is, and he's light and he's all power, then you walk with him, then you are walking in a truth that con- constantly dispels darkness. And that's how you stay free. It's a person as well as knowing the word of God that you need, or we need. So let's go on to have a look at what Jesus said about him. Again, another famous, uh, we know this, don't we? John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So right at the beginning of the story of, of Jesus' purpose when he went to the cross, is that we know that he was this lamb who willingly went to the cross for us. He, he gave his life in surrender and sacrifice. So the first truth is that we'll never, ever be able to um, have a relationship with the Father unless we say yes to Jesus. He has, it's the only way. There isn't another way. So that's the first truth. And then he goes on to say that it's not only that, but it's your way of life and the way that you live and the way that you flourish is being connected to truth, being connected to me. So let's go on and have a look at John 10, which kind of compares Jesus as a good shepherd. Do you like my picture? He's beautiful, isn't it? I drew that myself. Just, you know, last week got, you know, got a pencil case out. I didn't draw that myself, um, but we love Google Images, don't we? What would you do without Google Images? But anyway, I love it. Okay, so he said, when he was brought out of his own, he goes, sorry, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus said, I'm the gate and whoever enters me will be saved. So Jesus, in terms of being in the way, describes himself as as a good shepherd. And in order to be protected and looked after by a shepherd, the sheep, need to stay close. That's how they operate. Sheep, bless them, are not that bright. Not saying you're not, you're amazing. Geniuses in this room, even though you're sheep. Geniuses, sheep. Yep. Um, Some of you are a bit more hairy than others, but that's fine. Uh, But (laughs) sheep don't actually choose their own path to safety and protection. They're not that clever. They completely rely on their shepherd to guard them and care for them. They just eat grass, basically, and do what they're told. Um, And in order to be safe, we have to trust the shepherd and not wander off on our own to try and find our own way. That's just going to lead us into danger. When we follow Jesus, he leads exactly where we need to be. So when he says, I am the way, he describes himself as a shepherd that's protecting you and keeping you safe. But if you, you know, if sheep wander off because they're not close to the shepherd then they can be picked off by wolves. And that's the reality of what happens when we don't make Jesus the center of who we are and what we do. And and everything needs to be about him and and being close to him. When we're staying with the truth, when we're staying with him, then he becomes a shepherd that protects us and nothing can come against us. The Bible says we'll have trials, but he says, I've overcome the world and you'll have victory in it. It's a whole different thing to be walking off and and trying to do things on our own strength and not letting Jesus in then that trial will become a nightmare. But you can walk through a valley or go through a trial with Jesus and come at the other, way, other end well. You can go through a valley of trial and really struggle. And sometimes Jesus will let us do both. Not because he doesn't love us, but because we have to learn that we're safer with the shepherd and we, we, when we're close to him than we are doing things on our own. He is truth and he'll set you free because he's a good shepherd. So in, Jesus, uh, in John 14, sorry, he said, that he said to the disciples, I am the truth. 
I am truth. Can't be more clear than that, can he? <laughs> truth is wrapped up in a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus can testify to the truth and teach truth because he himself is truth. In him there's nothing false, nothing misleading, nothing fake, and nothing uncertain. The only thing in this world we can rely on is Jesus. His voice, his leading, his protection. The world has nothing to offer us at all. I'm not saying there's lots of not really good things and things that bless us, but we have to be careful what we're listening to and whose voice speaks loudest into our, into our hearts. Because if truth is what's being spoken, so the words of Jesus, his voice, is what you're hearing, you'll be free from stuff constantly. And that's why getting alone with Jesus and getting into the word is really good. Just spending time, I was talking to the Connect Group this week, just what, something really simple. Just don't start reading the red bits. Go back to the words of Jesus. What did he say? If you just live in that every single day, I promise you, stuff will break off you. You don't often have to pray for stuff. God will just lift it off you because you're with Jesus. If you think about every single person that met Jesus in the New Testament in those three years, was, did anybody leave disappointed? Never got what they needed from Jesus? No, not a single. We have no record, and not all the miracles are even in the Bible. They didn't, they could, there's too many to fill them up, to fill up the New Testament. Every single person that encountered Jesus got a miracle because they came into light. They met truth, and what was in them that the enemy was trying to oppress had to break because truth was in front of them. When, when, the, when, when the devil was confronted, so when you think there's many times, wasn't it, when demon-possessed children and people came, Jesus just looked at them and just said, go, out, out they went. Because you can't have two things in the same place. You can't have light and darkness together. One has to win. And because of the cross, Jesus has won. Okay? So you can't actually have the same thing parallel. You can't have a room that's half dark and half light. It's one or the other. And light will always win. So every time Jesus met somebody who was in need, um, ill or oppressed or whatever, as soon as they encountered him, it had a reaction. You can't be with Jesus and it not have a reaction. It does something. There is a response. There is a reaction. And the more that you press into your relationship with him, the more free you'll get. And you won't even need to ask. You'll just go, something like a habit or something, a mindset that you can't break or a habit or a thought or a, a unforgiveness in your heart for someone. And you'll just be in the presence of God and just letting him minister to you and just being with him. And it will just break without you even praying about it, I promise you. And you'll be like, well, that's gone. Next morning, you won't feel that anymore. That's how powerful the presence of Jesus. When you come across truth, that's what it does. And if you're in it constantly, if you're, if you're with Jesus constantly, truth will overcome lies and darkness. And if you think about things that oppress us, they are all based on a, a spiritual attack and a lie. And something has to win. And we have to choose truth, which is to be with Jesus, be with a person, over letting that lie carry on. And the more we'll press in, the more free we'll get. So in John 10, it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I'm a good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know my voice. That's the key. Just the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I love that picture, that there's this parallel. The enemy is warring against our lives, and he'll always will until we get to heaven. Good luck, enemy. Um, and then we've got Jesus who's saying, yeah, but I've got this. So the enemy's trying to throw this at you, 
but this is what I've got for you. Which one are you going to choose? What are you going to listen to? What are you going to focus on? Who are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? And he says, this is the model. You need to know my voice, which means you have to be close to, to hear it. God often whispers. So if we're not, if, if God's distant from us, we won't hear him. I think he's really clever like that. The reason he often whispers rather than shouts, because he wants you close enough to hear. He could shout at us because we're always distant and busy and doing, being distracted. Or if he whispers, it's like, come on then. You have to literally stop, put things aside, get into your closet, get quiet, and to listen, to hear. And I think God does that really, really purposely. Because to hear him, you need to be close and you need to choose to stop and give him your focus. I think he does that deliberately. But I love this image of, it says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, that's the picture of what walking with truth looks like. He wants us so close and so in love with him and listening to him and being guided by him that it reflects how he is with his Father. And he and with his father was so close that they would constantly communicate. He never said anything or did anything that his father didn't tell him first. And Jesus wants that for us. You walk in truth by only doing and saying what I'm telling you. You let me shepherd and protect you. You listen to my guidance. You don't go off on your own. And then I will speak to you and show you what you need to do. And that's how Jesus was with his father. And he said, I've come so that you will be with me the same way that I was with my father. You want exactly the same relationship. It's such a beautiful picture. Okay, so ready for some hard bit? Okay, is it a challenge? Okay, lovely. So let's go to Matthew 16, 24. It's got two more scriptures and then we're going to get back into a bit of worship after that and see what God does. So Matthew 16, 24, you still love me? Not too harsh? Excellent. No detentions given that yet. If you're listening very well, which my classes are like this. No, to be fair, they are absolutely awesome. Just got one or two little monkeys at the moment, but I'm, I'm working on them. Um, but you are very good students. I'm very impressed. Some of you are making notes. Particularly somebody at the very front on my right is going to get a sticker because he's doing very well. Beautiful, beautiful man. So those of you making notes, you get first dibs at the coffee and the biscuits. Everybody else has got to stay in their seats until there's nothing left because you weren't making notes. So you have to wait, okay? Back of the queue. Okay, right. So it says, <laughs> whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's the, that's the hard bit. So what's a disciple? It's somebody who learns and follows somebody else, learns from and follows somebody else. Jesus wants us to be his friend. That's true. But he actually wants us to be a disciple. And that's a whole different thing because that means you actually have to spend time with the person you're learning from. It's learn from me, follow me, do what I did. You can't do that from a distance with somebody. If you were learning a trade and you had a mentor and you were, say, doing an apprenticeship and you were learning to become a mechanic or whatever, a boat builder, Carl, a boat painter, you have to follow... Back me up, Carl. You have to follow... Thank you so much. Uh, you have to follow, like, literally and, and, and stand next to... If you were learning to paint a boat... It's not, I'm making this up literally on the spot, so let's go for it. Okay, so you're learning to paint a boat. <laughs> I've never done it before. And you don't want to... This boat is worth, like, 10 million. You don't want to make a mistake. You would watch, wouldn't you, closely and stand next to the boat, the expert, and you would learn from them until you're ready to be released to do it yourself. 
You wouldn't learn by watching a video or you'd go next to the expert who's your mentor and let them train you. And that's what Jesus means. It's like you've got to learn from me how to walk this life, how to pray, how to hear me, how to minister to people, how to serve people, how to love people when you don't want to love them, how to forgive people when they've hurt you. You need to learn from me because I'm the expert. Jesus is truth. He is life. And he is the only one that can do it well. And so he's basically saying, you know, this is what I want you to do. To be my disciple, you've got to absolutely be focused on learning from the master. I can probably do a Star Wars analogy there. No? What's the one with the lightsabers? Jedis, that's it. I don't know. I'm trying to get you on board. I could do a football analogy, boys, for you, if you like. I don't know what that would be. Managers, tra- I don't know. Anyway, but you, you have to follow the expert. Yeah? And when it says you need to deny yourself and take up your cross to be a disciple, it, it does cost us stuff. We have to give up being selfish and wanting our own way all the time. To pursue him, is, there's a cost to it, to really know him. And Jesus talks about this you know, narrow path and a wide path. Disciples walk narrow paths. Non-disciples walk wide paths. And he said, only one of you, one of one will lead to life. So you can walk a wide path and absolutely go to heaven and, love, and God will love you. Absolutely. But it says it leads to destruction. You'll struggle, you'll battle. You'll have real struggle with stuff. and it'll come. But the Bible says that if you walk narrow, be a disciple and follow me and learn from me, that there's life the other side. So what we have to do, and this is the hard bit, we have to choose commitment over comfort. And we like comfort, don't we? But sometimes Jesus will say, you've got to drop that attitude with that person. You've got to say, sorry, you need to stop being distracted and come and be with me. That's not comfortable because that, that means our soul has to surrender. You know, you need to actually go and say, yeah, I'm going to serve on that team. I'm going to go and commit to bless that person. I'm going to give. You, whatever Jesus tells you to do is being a disciple. You have to learn from him. And if we don't do that, we don't walk on the narrow path. So one more challenge. Okay, for one more scripture. Okay, Revelation 3. Um, as you probably know, in the book of Revelation, at the first few chapters, Jesus talks to different churches. And in this one, I'm going to get historical now. I did some research, people. So exciting. Uh, so this is, this is him talking to the church at Laodicea. And he describes them, doesn't he, as, if you remember, as lukewarm. He says he wants to spit them out. I've always struggled with that, that line because it's quite harsh. You're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. I was like, oh my goodness. So I thought I'd do some research because Jesus is so clever. Everything he said to people was in the context of their society and how they lived. There's not an accident he said lukewarm and spit out. It was because it was relevant to how they lived in their city. He's genius. He's an absolute genius. So back in the time, it was customary for people in ancient times to drink hot or cold beverages at their feast and their religious ceremonies. They never drank something that was lukewarm. Didn't know this. Researched it. Liquids that were lukewarm were distasteful and just, just really horrible in their mouth and would often harbor diseases and they would spit it out. They never liked drinking lukewarm drinks. They were often full of diseases and tasted vile. So they either wanted cold drinks or hot. Now, Laodicea didn't have a water supply. It depended on the nearby city of Heropolis for its water. Heropolis had these hot springs, and they would send water down to Laodicea through aqueducts. But by the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm because it had to journey. 
And so what they would do is they'd let it go cold or they would heat it up. They would never drink it lukewarm because it tasted disgusting. And what Jesus was saying to them is your religious life as a church makes me feel sick. It's distasteful to my mouth. I feel like vomiting it up. Now this church boasted about having great wealth and no need of anything else. The church basically was deceiving itself. Its spiritual condition was really poor. It boasted about how great it was, but it was spiritually dead. And in this scripture, Jesus is so lovely. He says, you know, because I love you, I'm chastising you, basically. He said, because I love you, I'm trying to show you what's going. He said, come back to me. He doesn't leave them in that state of you're lukewarm, spitting you out because you, you know, you're being religious and you're saying you're okay, but you're spiritually dead. He says, actually, come back to me. Now, if you go back to those two words, he said, I'd actually, I'd rather you were hot or I would rather you were cold. And I thought, I always think cold's a bit of a funny one because why would you just say, I'd rather you were hot? When he talks to them about being spiritually hot, he's basically saying, I want you to be engaged in your faith, that you are passionately following me and that's all you're doing. You're literally absorbed or engaged with your faith. Even cold he preferred because someone who's cold has the opportunity to be influenced by the gospel and to be changed. But if you're lukewarm, here's your state. You know just enough about Jesus, so you're not resistant to him, but you are cold and callous to his voice. And that's what he meant by being lukewarm. And he says, I'll spit you out, but come back to me. He said, if you knock on the door, I'll open it. And, you'll, and I'll come and meet with you. He said, come on, come back. And that's what he was crying out to these people. Please come back. So the, the real challenge there is, are we lukewarm? And absolutely, I've been in that place. It's very easy to fall into that when we don't make Jesus our priority. It's very easy to know him, but not want, it, want to hear his voice, be cold to his voice. And we have to be really careful because it's a dangerous slope to go down this road of being lukewarm. Jesus is actually saying, come on, actually rather you were hot or even cold. I can do something with that. But lukewarm is distasteful. Amen? That's it. Challenge bit over. So we okay with that? Okay. <laughs> so let's go to Luke 19. A couple more minutes. And my aim is to finish at 12. That was my prayer this morning. Three minutes to go. Here we go. Right. So, in Luke 19, I love this story, short one, like me and Paul, we'd be up a tree because we're so tiny, so would Tasha, and so would Helen. Um, so, Zacchaeus, love you, you can join us up the tree, Helen. Uh, Zacchaeus, I love this story of Zacchaeus up the tree, wants to see Jesus, but he's a shorty, can't see through the crowds, um, and uh, he's desperate to see him. Now, as you know, he's a tax collector, which means he worked for the Romans, he's a sinner, he's a traitor to the people, they hate him, and yet he sees that Jesus is coming to their town and he's desperate to see them love his heart he says when jesus came to that place he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, sorry hurry and come down i must stay at your house today and Zacchaeus came down quickly and welcomed him gladly and all the people saw this beginning to complain jesus is staying with a sinner they said um i love this story because of what happens next so Zacchaeus goes to dinner basically they have dinner at, at his house and jesus comes And spends time with him. And in verse 8, Zacchaeus says to the Lord, I will give half of my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I will pay them back four times. See, when you encounter Jesus, when you eat with him, which means spend time with him and just purposely get away to just be with him. Not do anything just to sit with him, 
just let him love on you. Just spend time with him. That's, there's a lot of references in the Bible to eating and this sense of kind of communion and covenant being exchanged between you and Jesus. The instant response to Zacchaeus is a changed heart and a changed life. He basically repents of how he's been living and what he's been doing, and he wants to make good. His whole character has changed by one meal with Jesus because he encountered truth. Now, we don't know in the scripture what Jesus said to him at dinner, but I suspect that Jesus did not actually bring up the fact he was a tax collector, didn't call him a sinner. How do I know that? It's because of how Jesus spoke to the woman who was about to be stoned because of adultery. What did he say to her? I don't condemn you. He actually started condemning all the men around her that was picking on her. I don't condemn you, just stop doing it. I reckon that actually Zacchaeus did not actually have an encounter with Jesus where he was saying, you've done this wrong, you've done it. God's, God's not like that. But just being with him and eating with him was enough for Zacchaeus to change entire nature and want to be different. And that is what happens when you're around truth. Just gradually over time, you will just change without even recognizing you're doing it and your life will be turned around. You cannot encounter light and not be different. And it's the most beautiful thing is to be with the one that created you and Jesus. You know, it's just amazing. So last scripture, which is where we're going to kind of end on, is this brilliant uh, verse in Matthew 10. Jesus said to his disciples that you're going to go and do the things that I've been doing. I give you authority to drive out spirits, heal every sickness, and cast out demons in my name. And... What God shared with me is that when you get around truth, when you get around Jesus long enough and you learn from him, you get the authority and power to do what he did. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. These disciples had spent three years with him and they knew his every heartbeat, what he said, what he believed, how he functioned, how he related to his father and what he did. They learned from him. That's a disciple. They learned from him and he said, now you're ready to go out and do the same for me. I want that. I want to be able to, you know, cast out demons and see people raised from the dead and see more healings. I want that. But I've got to learn from the expert. These disciples had to learn from Jesus and watch his every move. And and you have to be close to someone to do that. But his promise is that you'll do greater things than I have if you will learn from me. And Jesus gave us the authority to intercede for people, to pray for them, to cast out demons. It's the authority of Jesus living inside of us. The more we know him and his voice and how he operates, the more we'll walk in it. How desperate are you to see God use you? How desperate am I to see God use me? Absolutely. But will I pay the cost and put him first and run after truth, run after one person, Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Okay. One minute over. Naughty me. I'll go to the back of the queue for the coffee. Um, I want us to... um, I'm going to take communion. So the guys are going to bring that round to you. I'm going to take communion together and just do another five minutes. But as we do communion, we're going to play this song called Echo. And it talks about God being the God of breakthrough, which is obviously what we're believing for, but also about how we've been given the same authority... Um, to do what Jesus has done. And it's just such brilliant, brilliant lyrics. It's really powerful. I wanted us to pray this over us and us to declare it as a church 
that this is what we're contending for and we're believing God for. We're going to take communion first and just we'll get it started. You've, we've all had a lot of challenge this morning. Right from the beginning, Jesus has been asking something of us to hand stuff over, to let go of things that are holding us, to put him first, to maybe make a decision that we need to be more committed and willing to lay down our lives for him, to give him everything. We, we all have something. I have some stuff in my heart that I want to say to Jesus this morning. So we're going to do that first, just going to give us a moment, and then we're going to stand and sing this song together and declare it over the church, not only for breakthrough, but, but God will use us as people. Okay, amen? So just take that. I'm just going to pray. You can take this whenever you want over the next five minutes. You don't have to take it, up, take it at the same time. Thank you. When you feel ready to take it, okay, don't take this lightly. Jesus died for you and me. And it's at the cross that he gave not only his life for your healing, um, I've got one, thank you, but also not only saved you, but also for healing. And it's the power and authority of the cross that breaks things over our lives. And if there's still things that you know that you want God to do or things you're believing for, then communion is a brilliant place just to say, God, I surrender everything to you. I'm believing you. So, Father, we just thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you did, Jesus, at the cross. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made, that you went willingly as a lamb to the slaughter for us. We thank you for the sins of our lives that you have cleansed us from. We thank you that our bodies are broken in Je- uh, bodies are healed, sorry, in Jesus' name because you broke yours. Father, we thank you for the exchange of the cross, that we are free because of it and we can live continuously free. And every time we come back to the cross and we surrender to the cross and we lay down stuff that we don't, we know is not right or stuff that we've been bound by, when we put it at the feet of the cross, Lord, your promise is is to remove it, to, to break that power over our lives in Jesus' name. So we surrender to you, Jesus, this morning. We say thank you for the cross. We take this cup and this, this bread and this juice and we say thank you that we are free today because of you and that we can be free right now from things that have bound us. In Jesus' name.